Now we're going to turn to God's Word to Luke chapter 10 on page 1042. And Kenzie is going to read to us our subject for today, Hope for the Overworked. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. These Sunday mornings we've been following a series called Never Beyond Hope, thinking about hope for people uh, experiencing various uh, things in life, unhappiness, uh, being ignored, uh, being ill, for example. And today we come to Martha, that's the sister of Lazarus and Mary, who is clearly overworked and underappreciated. And so as we turn to Luke chapter 10, uh, may I invite you to bow your heads along with me as together we pray God's understanding. Father God, you know our hearts and are aware of our circumstances. As Psalm 119 tells us, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your truth sets us free. May we therefore please be in a place where we understand and are shown the clear way ahead and what we ask is for Jesus' sake. Amen. According to a recent article in Inc. magazine, there are five sure early warning signs that you are seriously overworked. Number one, you find yourself getting easily irritated and end up biting people's heads off. Two, your mind is always racing. Three, you feel that you're being underappreciated. Four, you aren't enjoying the present, but are only thinking about what happened in the past or anticipating something nice in the future. And fifthly, you're regularly late. Five sure early warning signs that you're under stress through overwork. Have you ever been there? I know I have, and maybe some of you are experiencing that right now. Of course, it is possible to be stressed through underwork, and that's a whole different and important issue. But today, our focus is going to be on this person called Martha, who, along with her sister Mary and brother Lazarus, lived in a village called Bethany, just in the outskirts of Jerusalem. And clearly, Jesus knew this family well. He enjoyed their company. He was often in their home. Because the text tells us in verse 38 that Martha welcomed Jesus into her home, the assumption is that Martha is a widow, because on, under ordinary circumstances in ancient Palestine, a woman wouldn't own property, unless, that is, her husband had died. 
And so on this day, Martha heard a knock at her front door. She went to see who it was, and there was Jesus and perhaps all of his disciples as well, waiting to come in. And in verse 38, we're told that Martha welcomed them into her house without making it obvious that this was a bit of a shock, Martha opened her arms and opened her home and let Jesus know, you're very, very welcome. Hospitality is a huge deal in the Bible. In Romans 12, it is described as an indispensable part of an elder's life. Um, in First Peter chapter 4, the apostle says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. And in Hebrews chapter 13, it even says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, because by doing some, some of you have even entertained angels without being aware of it. Hospitality then is far more than having friends round for afternoon tea or welcoming them for Christmas dinner. It is the intentional mindset of using the resources and the gifting God has entrusted to you to bless people you don't yet know, to open your home to members of God's family. Now, many of us know the joy of both giving and receiving hospitality. How thankful I am when I hear from one of my children away from home how they've been invited back to somebody's house for Sunday lunch and delighted that as they grew up regarding that as the most normal Christian activity, that hospitality is something you just do. And so it was here in Luke chapter 11, verse 38, Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. But as the story progresses, we know that Martha started to bang the saucepans in the kitchen. And some of those early warning signs indicated overwork began to become evident. She started getting irritated and biting people's heads off. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Imagine saying that to any guest, let alone the Lord Jesus. And then before she knows it, she's starting giving him orders. Tell her to help me. Well, that's evidence of stress, number one, isn't it? But more, her mind was racing, and without question, she definitely felt underappreciated. Woe is me, poor me, getting on and doing everything while my sister's just sitting on her tail. And she's certainly not enjoying the moment, is she? There's no sense of pleasure about having Jesus in her home. In fact, it would seem that his presence is actually more of a pain than a pleasure. And so we get the picture. Here's Martha, overworked and underappreciated. Now, before we get critical, Martha isn't a bad person. Quite the opposite. Martha is a good person. Jesus is comfortable in her presence. He has chosen to be in her home. But Martha has turned something that ought to have been a pleasure and a source of joy into something that becomes unpleasant and a chore. Martha's not a bad person, but in her desire to do something good, 
she ends up turning it into something bad. In her efforts to please, she ends up causing upset rather than blessing. Does that sound familiar? Anybody here able to identify with Martha's experience? I think we do. In her desire to help, Martha actually becomes a hindrance. And in her wish to do things for Jesus, she forgets why she is doing it. Well, if that's the context, let's turn then to see what it is that Jesus says. And from here, we'll move on to some very practical applications for our lives. And really, the applications are very simple, yet if we'll only heed them, they're actually very profound. It's wonderful, by the way, just to see how Jesus uses very ordinary domestic events as a teaching experience for Martha. And because of that, it's helpful for us as well. And while undoubtedly Martha and Mary may well have had difficult, different personality types, this was a fresh insight for me. We, we often think of Mary and Martha as having different personality types and excuse one or the other for that. But that's, and I don't think, is, is good enough. It's not enough for us to say it's better for us to have Mary's personality rather than Martha's. No, uh, because in verse 42, and this just came fresh to me as I was studying this, Jesus makes it plain that it wasn't a personality clash. Mary has chosen what is the better way. In other words, this is a, a, as relevant a story uh, for those who are introverts every bit as much as for extroverts. Uh, those who identify most closely with Mary and her personality need to take heed every bit as much as those who see themselves as Martha's. That's what we choose to do. That's the key and significant thing. Uh, so there is hope for both types of people, uh, not in the sort of personality we've been born with, but what kind of behavior we choose to prioritize. Okay? So then, three very straightforward but important applications for us. Uh, two of the applications will be most uh, relevant for our secular employment, if I may call it that, and the final application perhaps pertaining to work here in church. So application number one. Work is important, but it's not the most important thing of all. Work is important, but it's not the most important thing of all. Now, nowhere in the Bible is laziness commended. In fact, if you were to read through the book of uh, Proverbs, you will see how a lazy person is uh, pointed to a colony of ants uh, for them to learn a lesson or two. We have been created to work. Gone, after all, is a creator. He is a worker. We have been made in his image, in his likeness, and that is why we work. And uh, many of us enjoy work as well. It is something that gives us fulfillment and satisfaction and well-being. And if our work is paid, that is important because it gives us the necessary income to provide for our family and take care of them. So work is important. 
But, says Jesus, there's one thing even more significant. Verse 42. And that is relationship. I don't know how many of you watch Apprentice. There's a lady in the current series of Apprentice whose name is Elizabeth. She's a very hard worker. She's driven. She's enthusiastic. She's committed. But she's a nightmare. (laughs) She drives everybody nuts because while work is important, it is not the most important thing because you have to get on with other people as part of the team. And all of us know Elizabeths. All of us have worked with people like her. And there's not a whole lot we can do about that, actually. But there is one thing that we can do, especially if we are like Elizabeth, but within whom God's Holy Spirit dwells. And that is to deliberately choose the way that is better with Christ's help to choose to put people ahead of work and our personal desire to get ahead. Now, for each one of us, the outworking of that will be different. For some of us, I guess it will mean asking God to make us sensitive to our own propensity to be driven at the expense of other people's fragilities. Uh, For others of us, it will mean reassessing how much we are away from home while our children are growing up. For yet others, it may mean determining whether I choose to accept over time or not to provide things for my family or to decide to content myself with less money and enjoy that extra time to develop and grow relationships with my spouse, with my teenagers, with my congregation. So that's application number one. Work is important, but it's not the most important thing. And maybe that's most especially relevant for the breadwinners among us. Then application number two, and it is this, that attitude is more important than productivity. Here in Luke chapter 10, we see that Martha is busy, 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 but for all the effort that she's putting into her work, it's not actually doing her or anybody else any good, because although she's working hard, ostensibly for the help of other people, it's actually all about her rather than all about them. In this story, Martha loses sight about her role because Martha's main responsibility is to foster an atmosphere which is conducive for good work to take place in. Just this week, I was in a context where people were walking on eggshells. It was an office context. People were afraid to speak, afraid to put their foot wrong because somebody else in that space was creating an atmosphere and ruining work for everybody else. And that's terrible. That's not a workplace where people can flourish or productivity can thrive. And again, Christian people, those within whom God's Holy Spirit dwells, can choose to either help or hinder other people flourishing 
within their place of work. And if that is true in work context, employment, it's equally true at home. So remember again, attitude is even more important than productivity. And we have a choice in that. We can choose to bless other people by our attitude, or we can choose to think only of me and my and my agenda. I once knew someone who was very busy. How did I know he was very busy? Because he kept telling me how busy he was. Uh, How are you? I'm very busy. And every time he signed his letters, do you know what he wrote at the bottom? In haste. (laughs) Is that somebody you would ever go to if you had a problem? Is that somebody you would bother if uh, you wanted to talk through an issue? No. Attitude is more important than productivity. And so then, the third application from Luke chapter 10, and it's this. Jesus, most of all, wants us to enjoy him. When Jesus and his disciples came to Bethany, it was so that he could enjoy the family. And Mary knew that. Do you see verse 30? She sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what Jesus had got to say, um, just as a, a disciple would sit at the feet of their rabbi. So Mary took the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet, to enjoy him. And that's what Jesus wanted most for Mary and for Martha, not their busyness, but their company. He wanted to enjoy their relationship. And service would then follow naturally from that. And I suppose this really is most appropriate uh, for those of us who serve in church. A number of weeks ago, we took time to pray for people who are in various leadership capacities here uh, within Bloomfield. And, and quite a number of you, I think, uh, were, were amazed how many people are serving here in so many ways. And that's truly wonderful. This is a congregation where many, many people serve and do so with great skill and a heart and a half. And we bless you for that. But for you, for all of us, this reminder is necessary that even more important than activity is devotion. Devotion to Jesus. This last Wednesday at our prayer meeting, I've got to tell you, there was almost a tangible sense of the presence of the living Lord. To to hear the buzz of the prayers of people just enjoying being in his presence was wonderful. And the thing is, this people went out from that time of prayer together, hugely encouraged and delighted to go out and serve the Lord with even more joy and courage and delight. So devotion is always prior to activity. Jesus wants us to enjoy him. And that's the, something actually the staff have just recently been thinking about as well have been, as we've been reading a book by A.W. Tozer. Jesus wants us to enjoy him. And While it's true that God made us with the capacity to work, 
man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. God has made us for worship. And so, when we fail to do as Mary chose and sit at Jesus' feet, we lose perspective and we forget the very reason for which we've been made. Do you ever find yourself getting easily irritated and end up biting people's heads off? Your mind racing? Do you ever feel yourself underappreciated? Not enjoying the present, only reminiscing about the past or thinking about something that's in the future. Are you regularly late? Those are five warning signs that you're seriously overworked. But there is another way. There's an alternative perspective which along with Mary and Martha, we can choose to cultivate. Work is important, but it's not the most important thing. Attitude is even more important than productivity. And whatever else you do, Jesus wants you to enjoy him, to spend time with him. And out of that relationship of love to gain renewed perspective, and that is the better way. So we pray. Our gracious God, as you shine your light upon our lives through your word, may we be better aware of the obstacles that could so easily trap us and trip us up and show us the clear way ahead for our relationship with you. And what we ask is for the glory of our Savior. Amen. And in our prayers this morning, we want to pray for those who are overworked and underappreciated and for others who weigh heavily upon our hearts. Let us pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray for people for whom work has become a chore rather than a blessing, those under pressure from colleagues or unreasonable bosses, those feeling hassled because of deadlines or difficult people, those at school or college under stress because of upcoming assignments or exams, and pray that they would find perspective from remembering the one thing that is needful. We pray for families under pressure because of difficulties, personality clashes, lack of resources, the stress of caring for dependent children or ill or elderly relatives, and ask that in all these experiences of life, sitting at the feet of Jesus would bring a new sense of peace and equilibrium. We pray for those who work so hard here at church, for the leaders of Crash, Kids Zone and Walkway, helping right now so that we can be at worship, and ask that we would have eyes to see if what once was a joy has become a burden and what once was a delight has become now a chore, and enable us as a church family to sense how best we might be able to encourage and bless. 
bring before you people of other parts of the world undergoing stress, and particularly this morning the nation of Zimbabwe. We thank you for the prospect of life beyond President Mugabe, but pray that in your mercy it won't be the case of one repressive dictator following another. We thank you for the work of Scripture Union and for its 150th celebrations since formation, and pray for its staff, including our own Anita Conkey, and for all the work in schools, camps, and through Bible literature, and ask that its work will continue to grow and flourish. And finally, we pray for the lads away with the Boys Brigade this weekend, for David Bell travelling to Cameroon this week, for Simone Pester in Nepal, for Sheila Burns currently in Nigeria, and for Peter and Ruth, Sam and Joel in Niger, and ask that they and all others far away from home would know your enabling presence and peace. And all these are prayers we ask for the sake of Christ, our Lord.